Welcome to The Bolt, the official podcast of Trinity Basin Preparatory, a charter school in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we share interesting stories and strategies from across our district. I'm Connor Rogers. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Trey. Hey, Connor. How are you? I'm doing well. We are here at the Mesquite campus. How are you, Mr. Trey? I'm also here at the Mesquite campus with you, and I'm doing well. I'm a little chilly, so I just put my jacket on and my mic suggested. I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to do this. Yeah. Well, it, it's cool in here because you're a cool guy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate and, that. And, uh, and we have some cool guests. We do. So um, today we're talking about social emotional learning, which for me is very hard to say. I always want to say like social emotion. I don't know. I want to make it rhyme. But social emotional learning or SEL. Um, and we've got a few different guests. We're going to kind of divvy this episode into a couple of segments. Um, first off, we're going to talk to um, Luis and Laura. I Very good, yes. From uh, Clayton Youth Enrichment? Yes. You Again, you were two for two here. Gosh. so uh, I'm not even looking at anything. Um, and they're, a, they're a, a program that's helping us out or, or working with uh, our Panola campus. Um, so we're going to talk to them first. And then make sure to stick around for the second segment um, because we have one of our counselors here at the Mesquite campus, uh, Josie Kilgore, who's going to talk to us about some of that stuff as well. Right. And just a quick note on the audio. So we're coming in loud and clear right now because we're recording on mics. The Kilgore interview was recorded on mic, so that's great quality. The interview with Clayton Youth was recorded over Zoom, so you're going to hear that for sure. But it's the content is great, I, I can assure you. Yes. All right. All right, well, let's get into it. I don't want to say that. <laughs> that Another guy says on another podcast, like, get into it. So let's not get into it. Let's get back out of it for just a second. All right. And then, can you put it in reverse? Yeah. Like, <laughs> beep, yeah. Beep. Oh man, we did it at the same time. That's <laughs> that's embarrassing. All right. Uh, let's so. let's do this thing. That's worse, isn't it? Well, it it would have been if you if you didn't say it right after Manolo couldn't edit it. You said, "Let's do this thing." That's worse. <laughs> like you got to give him a, a space. So anyway, let's listen to our guests. Way better. <laughs> Well, welcome, Laura and Luis, to the Bolt Podcast. So today we're talking uh, uh, to a couple of people from Clayton Youth, or Clayton Youth Enrichment. Um, But first, before we kind of get into what Clayton Youth is, can you guys just tell us uh, who you are and and what you do for Clayton Youth Enrichment? So I can start. Um, My name is Laura Stern. I'm the Director of Program Development. So um, underneath my department is all of our social and emotional learning initiatives. And we have six coaches um, on our team that help our sites um, achieve those goals. And we um, also handle all the um, data collection, um, observation, um, and research that goes along with some projects that that we work on um, to, uh, uh, to better that effort and to um, be able to work on outcomes that we're working with SMU on for that project. Um, And then the other thing we do is is basically curriculum and instruction. So um, in and out of school time sense. So we train all of our staff um, and we also write content and curriculum and, and build things that our staff can use for program delivery. That's awesome. Uh, and, and Luis, what, what is your role at Clayton Youth? Sure. So uh, currently, so I am the community programs manager. So I've been tasked to kind of build this new community center uh, initiative that Clayton has going. So kind of building a community center from the ground up, um, 
is what I've been tasked with. Uh, so kind of, you know, bringing in programs, bringing partners, other organizations that can kind of um, help out the community. All right, very cool. So you, so you guys have like super easy jobs, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. That's great. Well, um, we're excited to to have you on today and to talk about some stuff. Um, so maybe let's talk about where you guys are. So you're, are you in Dallas and Fort Worth or just Fort Worth or where are you guys? So right now we are just um, focused in Tarrant County. Um, yeah. So we do have programs all the way from Keller to the far edges of Crowley um, and serve four different school districts. Um, so we're just just based there now, um, but uh, we always are looking at opportunities of where our next our next spot is going to be. So cool. And since you mentioned some of those programs, could you tell us about kind of what what those programs might be and what what Clayton Youth does? Right, so we have um, a variety of different out-of-school time and childcare programs that we run. So um, we have um, right now um, 24 grant-based programs that are free after-school programs running in communities that need those services. Um, and mainly in the Southeast Fort Worth um, and, and Fort Worth ISD areas. Um, we also run 40 fee-based programs um, in, um, in school districts and communities that actually pay for childcare. Um, and then we have a um, full-day childcare center at One Safe Place, um, which is a partnership with Safe Haven. So it's a, it's a full-day daycare center, but we have reserved spots for um, for placement for the women from Safe Haven um, that are are um, in the domestic violence shelter. So, um, so we also then have a couple of drop-in childcare centers that we have more early childhood um, programming in. Where at a couple of country clubs in Fort Worth, where you know members just drop their kids off and we watch them. So. Um, and the last thing that we do is we run on Fridays. Um, my team teaches enrichment classes all day um, in two leadership academy schools in, in Fort Worth. So we do SEL-based fun, mainly STEM activities with their kids all day long um, on Fridays. Wow, that's a lot. There's so many, like I have so many follow-up questions. Uh, so you, it sounds like you guys, most of the population you serve would be similar to the population of students and families that TBP serves, like, you know, low income or, or low SES, right? And okay, and that's great um, because you're providing this this need for these families that can't afford daycare or childcare. And, you know, if you have a, a family with like a single parent, that's so hard to, to work full time and to have someone take care of your kids. So that's great um, that you guys are out there doing that. Um, the other thing I saw you had mentioned um, SEL, so we'll just, open this box of worms right now. Could you please explain for Mr. Trey what SEL is? Um, so SEL is a whole lot of things, honestly, when you get down to it. But, you know, in, in short, it's um, it's the skills, the behaviors, the attitudes um, that, that people use to live successful lives. So um, it, we focus on five domains um, and they are uh, self-awareness, um, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, um, 
oh my gosh, and responsible decision-making. So we do a lot of activities um, in within those domains to help um, both students and adults. So we focus a lot on our staff um, to be able to build skills, to be able to manage all of those behaviors and attitudes and mindsets better um, so that they're able to learn and grow and be successful. So social emotional learning. Great. Did you, did you know that Mr. Trey? I didn't know that, but I, there are some areas that I think I could use some social emotional learning myself personally. I don't think this is just for students. Like, like responsible decision-making 100%. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, so our, our listeners might be wondering, uh, um, you know, why are we talking to Clayton Youth? But we have a relationship, you know, at TVP. Uh, specifically, um, you guys are currently uh, uh, at our Panola campus. So, um, Luis, can you tell me a little bit about how that partnership came to be or or how it's been uh, being at our Panola campus for the last, last little while? Sure. So uh, I'm sure Laura could probably speak a little bit more about how kind of the re- initial relationship kind of came to be. But as far as, as me and kind of building the community center, um, we received some grant funding to kind of get it up and going uh, from CCDD. Uh, and then TVP was gracious enough to uh, let us use their building, one of the modular buildings here on the Panola campus to run our after school programming and um, the community center programming. Um, so it's, it, in the, in the, the few months that I've kind of been, you know, kind of like out in the streets, in the streets and talking to folks, um, we, I've kind of been, um, it's, 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 it's been interesting for sure. Kind of being, being embedded into this community. Clayton has always kind of, as you kind of heard, we've been in the Tarrant, uh, Tarrant County area for, for a while. Um, and we've always kind of been adjacent to the communities that we serve. Uh, but the beauty of this kind of partnership and having this opportunity to have a community center on the, the Panola campus uh, kind of means that we're kind of smack dab in the community that we're serving. So we're, they said we have an after-school program in the Panola campus, um, and then we have four other programs within walking distance from the community center mm-hmm. that, that we have after-school programs in. Um, so having having a separate building that can house something besides after-school program is, is, is a huge benefit for, for parents and the, the kids that we serve. Um, because before it was, you know, we would offer after school program, but now we could offer, um, DVP has the, the food bank that, that's here on, on campus. So that's something that, you know, we partnered with and trying to expand. We have the space to offer SEL classes for adults. So like I said, you know, like, like Mr. Trey, you said, you, you, you might need yeah. to brush up on <laughs> SEL skills. You might be able to bring in Folks, I could do a seminar in SEL, you could do individual classes, you can get some coaching on that stuff uh, that you can take back to your workplace. Um, so different, different, different types of stuff that we could offer here in-house that we previously weren't really able to, to offer. So how do you, like you're talking about being embedded in those communities you serve, which I think is great, um, but so how do you get the word out? Like once you're there, like how do you reach out to families in the neighborhood? Sure. So I think the, the big one is since, since, like I said, we have three or four programs that Clayton is a part of, 
getting that those after school kids on those after school families, getting in front of them is a big one. Um, just getting out there and just getting my face out there is, is, is a big one as well. You know, we draw them in with something fun like a trunk or tree or like a fall festival, uh, drawing them in, you know, giving them some food, you know, some fun activities. And then, you know, kind of going out and just kind of canvassing us, you know, you know, greeting, asking like I said, what they kind of want to see in the community center. What do you think are the needs that, you know, your family needs and kind of overall you think the community might need um, is a big one. Talking to other folks kind of like TDP that have been in the community and they, they know they know the community and the needs is, is a big one as well. That's awesome. Well, I know I know our community around the campus appreciates that. And I know our, our, our students and uh, and people there do as well. Are you guys currently at the Panola campus area? Yep. Have you guys done some painting? The, the, the walls look great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should have had you guys come in beforehand and uh, and do a little uh, extreme makeover. That looks uh, fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Like so. <laughs> so one one modular um the left i'm sure you're familiar with the modular building oh yes at panola uh one of the modular modular buildings was turned into like the corporate offices so if you walk into that building now you're probably not going to recognize it anymore <laughs> really Honestly. yeah so you know come pay us a visit sure we'll give you a quick tour that front <laughs> that first building you, you probably won't recognize it. well maybe i'll check it out when i come for one of those sel seminars there you go <laughs> Uh, so speaking of SEL, um, is there and connecting to our earlier conversation with Laura about the demographics, um, why why is SEL so important, especially with those demographics? Yeah. So what's interesting is that out of school time is used for a lot of different things, right? So people always feel like keeping kids busy, especially in certain neighborhoods during certain hours of the day it is helping keep the community safe and the kids safe. So, you know, it's just a, that's a basic function of after school. Um, then there's a lot of academic support and tutoring that a lot of schools use, use after school programming for. What we saw is this beautiful opportunity to bridge um, what kids learn in the school day to give them skills that might help them stay in the classroom longer, not have fewer discipline referrals, um, have a reason to want to get through the school day so they can go do some engaging and fun things after school. So um, in, in the communities that we serve in Southeast Fort Worth is um, there, there's a higher dropout rates. There's definitely um, different types of community stress that happen. Um, there are families under stress. You know, COVID has caused a lot of situational issues for parents that um, in the past kids might be at school all day, but now they're at home. So what we see about SEL is that there's a lot of SEL that deals with how you deal with trauma, how you deal with resilience, um, how you pick yourself back up, get back on track, despite, you know, the resources you have or don't have. Um, and so we feel in neighborhoods that have more challenges for families that building up those SEL skills in the kids are going to help them to take on those challenges wholeheartedly. Um, because a lot of the time, you know, we tell the kids like, you know, life is not fair and we hate that you go through some of these things. Um, 
but all you can do is control what you can control, right? So you control your own behavior, you control your effort in school, you control, um, you know, to some extent, whether you get to school every day. So we're trying to build those things within them that help them get the education that might change circumstances for them in the future, that maybe those cycles of um, you know, poverty that might be within some of their families are, are broken because they see the opportunity through their own hard work to get there. Um, so, you know, it's so important for all people, like, honestly, <laughs> some of the most challenging folks that we work with is our own adult staff, right, to like, let them know about how they might not be as self-aware as they think that they are. They might not be managing their emotions as well as they could. Um, so, you know, we see the repercussions of that in all people at all different levels of society. But when you already are behind, you know, socially and economically, or, you know, don't have as many opportunities as some other people, like those things become even more important to your success later in life. That's, that's great. I love that. And I, uh, as a teacher, you know, that that would break my heart when you hear about students who are going through these tough circumstances outside of school in their families at home, whatever. And there's not like you can't control that. And mm -hmm. you can try to be a listener for them and care for them and give them a safe environment at school. But that's about all I could control as a teacher. And I think you're dead on like you can control what you can control and that's it. So you guys are doing, it sounds like a doing a great job of, of putting those tools in that kid's toolbox so they can have those skills for whatever situation they find themselves in. That's awesome. I'm, I'm curious, this is kind of off script. Um, so I'll, I'll pause before I ask it in case I'm, I'm way out of the left field. Um, you mentioned you offer these, these seminars and things for adults too. I'm curious, do you guys offer anything for teachers to kind of prepare them for the classrooms as well? Or is it just kind of adults for themselves? Um, I will say that um, a, a goal of the community center is to start to um, push those, um, those opportunities, those workshops, those classes out to parents and teachers. Um, so we have some um, opportunities this November and this December where we're going to be um, offering some um, trauma-informed training um, that will be open to educators and members of the community along with our staff. Um, so our my team has done a really good job of trying to get those certifications and, and work on um, being certified to train different um, different trainings that can help teachers and adults as well as kids. So um, so we will start to offer that. That's one great thing about the community center is that we'll we'll be able to reach out further to do that. So we have um, trained set groups of teachers in the last couple of years um, in some different curriculums, um, but we're really excited to start some of that trauma-informed training, especially coming out of COVID, if we're really out of it, like right now. <laughs> so um, just to help them deal with some of the things that we're hearing all around that, that teachers are dealing with in their classrooms, that, that aftermath of, of a really strange year for them, so. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I would 
be surprised if you weren't at least thinking about that sort of thing, because like you said, the, the world is kind of demanding those things. And, and, you know, teachers, new teachers, first year teachers, maybe I'm sure are just trying to figure all this stuff out for the first time. So that's, that's huge that you guys are, are offering that. That's great. And, and on that note, so we do, um, every week in July, a new teacher summer Institute for all the new teachers. And then we train them on all the think classroom management curriculum, all this stuff, the district requirements. Uh, but this year we were like, why is the schedule so full? Like what, it seems like what, what's, what, and then like, oh, it's because we added all this social, emotional learning, trauma-informed teaching, because they're going to be dealing with kids who have trauma. So it, it was like, oh yeah. Cause we added like, cause they need you know, like, because they need this stuff now that, you know, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite things um, that I, we've really taken a deep dive into is a lot of brain science with our staff and they're just fascinated. And, and it's crazy to me to think like, it's part of your body, right? It's in your head, but like, we really don't have a very good understanding of how our brains work, <laughs> you know? And then we're so surprised when we learn that there's a reason why we behave certain ways, right? And like, if we don't take care of those things, we can make bad decisions or we can not realize how it's affecting us and show the wrong emotions at the wrong time. And it's just like these aha moments in grownups um, that is so powerful during trainings. Like you said, that you're like, why didn't I know this before? You know, <laughs> we think we're so accomplished and smart. And then you don't even know like the basic workings of how, you know, how your brain works. <laughs> so it's really fascinating. Oh yeah, that that training I was talking about that we did in July. I walked in and they were the presenter had two slides and it was basically like this is your brain when you're like in a happy euphoric state and all this parts light up and then it's like when your brain's like experiencing trauma and it like shuts down. And it's like no wonder like you can't like think and don't do well in school when you're experiencing trauma because like those pathways aren't even like open in the physical electronic neurons that are firing in your brain. It's crazy. Well, you talked about um, your your after school programs, but I also know you guys offer some summer school programs. I think you did some of these at our uh, at our uh, portable buildings uh, over this past summer, themed summer camps and, and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about um, you know what the goal of those are uh, and and what kind of thing how what shapes those take over the summer? So most most of our programs have a we kind of transition from kind of an after school kind of feel to it, um, and then we kind of transition more into what the summer camp feel to it. So I never went to summer camp growing up, but I saw it on TV and they always had themes and it, it was always like super fun. Like you spent the whole week, you know, um, learning about specific things. So that's kind of a, the feel that we want to bring to our summer programs. Um, and then to speak specifically on the, on the program that we had here um, on campus for, for TVP students, um, we just wanted to offer the uh, the students just kind of you know engaging super fun activities, um, kind of based around those kind of themes, you know, kind of fun themes that you know summer themes that the kids would really kind of gravitate to, um, and then uh, we kind of use that as well to um, kind of establish some kind of like fun fun opportunities um, that we can kind of embed kind of like academic enrichment to it. So. It's always it's always the best uh, to get kids, you know, having fun, and then they don't really know that they're learning. They're just thinking they're doing like some uh, crazy craft or you know <laughs> playing some crazy games, and then we were secretly in there kind of throwing, you know, you know, some lesson and stuff like that. So um, helps them learn a little bit better. Helps them kind of retain it a little bit better. 
Um, and it's, it's more enjoyable for the student. It's uh, honestly, it's probably more enjoyable for the instructor and the teacher teaching it. You know, if they're having fun, it, it'll project and the kids, the students will also be having fun. So what, uh, what was the theme for this summer? Oh, I can't remember what was the, no, there was like an under, the one that I saw when I was here, it was like an underwater theme, I believe, and it was, it was all kind of like water-based, so there were, it was like, I think they were learning like marine biology type stuff, and then aquatic animal stuff, um, and they had a bunch of like water days, it was like a fun super activity, I think they had, like almost every day they had like some type of water activity, um, so that was the big one. A big one that I, I uh, experienced for a little bit. And then there was another week they did a, it was kind of like a jungle theme, or maybe it was more like a zoology theme, because mm. uh, the hallway got turned into almost kind of like a rainforest, forest type thing. There was vines hanging from the, from the ceiling. <laughs> it was super interactive. And, um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. For most, for most of the theme weeks, I think the, the hallway, or at least half the hallway, got turned into something else so the kids would show up on a monday and they would just be they were in a rainforest or they were underwater you know so we uh so we theme we actually theme every single week um and the like i it was kind of a expedition adventure overall type of um theme and then each week so like louise said we had um a water theme, a rainforest theme. We had a monster expedition where they looked at cryptids and learned about like Bigfoot and um, like all the mythological creatures that, you know, people claim to see out in the woods and everything, which was really fun. And um, we had grossology, which is one of our most popular units um, out of our curriculums that we write. Did you say, uh, did you say grossology? Yes, grossology. tell me more. <laughs> So um, the, the whole unit is based around body functions, but it's based around three body system or um, three body systems, basically. Um, your excretory system. Knew, <laughs> your knew that was as soon as you said three body systems, I was like, I bet I can name one. <laughs> yes. Your digestive system and your respiratory system. So we do really fun activities, craft, science, um, and um, and a, a lot of art and things where they they learn about how those systems work but they just do really gross stuff like they they build like a life-size model of like a pimple which is disgusting you know but like and they <laughs> they um they actually do the owl pellets and look for mouse bones and owl pellets and talk about uh, you know animal grossology and human grossology and how that works they they do digestion in a bag to see like how things digest in your stomach and so just that's a lot awesome. of really fun, hands-on, gross stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's not one Trey and I can sign up for. We can't take that. It's only for the kids. <laughs> sure. You got it. <laughs> All that stuff, by the end of the day, I bet they're pooped. So <laughs> let's... Ah, 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 that was a good one. <laughs> Let's move on. Connor, do we cover everything? I think, I think, yeah, we hit most of the, the major topics. Um, is there, we're going to jump to the final two questions, but are there any other things you want to like, oh, I wanted to mention this about Clayton Youth. Well, I don't know if Luis, we have two events coming up um, for our community center, um, which I think are going to be a lot of fun, open to the community, open to Panola. Um, so I'll let him tell you about our, our two events that we have. We hope people come, come attend. <laughs> 
So our first big, big event that the community center is, is hosting is a, a trunk or treat. So that's right around the corner. Um, we are kind of turning our parking lot into um, just this big kind of festival kind of feel to it. So we'll have, you know, we've got different organizations and individuals and businesses um, bringing out tables and trunks and decorating them. Um, we'll have food. We'll have, we'll have kind of spooky movies playing on our outdoor screen um, that we have going on. Uh, and then a bunch of kind of different crafts um, that the kids can come and do. So a uh, family-friendly event is kind of what we're going for, kind of our first kind of soft opening, initial event, just to kind of, you know, get the community, you know, um, get the community to kind of see what we're, what we're up to. And, and when is uh, that? That is October 29th. So it's a Friday before uh, those are things, uh, Halloween. Um, and then we have a, um, can't remember, what did we, fall, I don't what we think. Fall, fall is like festival. festivals, mm -hmm. a celebration of culture. Um, is that what we landed on, mm -hmm. I believe? Um, that'll be November 6th. Um, so that's an event that previously uh, Clayton, um, we involved pretty much all of our programs and they were all uh, tasked to choose a different country. And then we all finally got, got together and each uh, school would bring, they would, they had their, their country and they would either incorporate a craft or some info on it or brought some food and, uh, but just kind of exposing everybody to kind of different um, countries and, and kind of different nations and stuff like that. Um, we've kind of, um, made it a little bit smaller this year just because of COVID, you know, we didn't want to pack too many people in, into, into a small space altogether. But we'll have about 10 different countries represented with different crafts from that country. Uh, we'll have food trucks, performers, um, and it's, um, they're just kind of be a big fall festival, just kind of celebrating different cultures. Um, and that's November 6th, um, and that'll be in our parking lot in, in, our, in our building as well. That's really cool. I'd like to come to that fall festival. Yeah. Okay. All right. The final two questions we ask every guest. Okay. Uh, so we'll start with Laura. Um, we'll go ladies first. Uh, so aliens are invading Earth. We have to evacuate to a different planet. You get to take three albums that are going to be part of New Earth. What three albums are you going to take? Oh my gosh. So probably Led Zeppelin for sure. Well, I was oh, not I'm expecting kidding. that from you. Okay. <laughs> I'm a huge so so uh yeah, Led Zeppelin and then probably a little bit of John Mayer. You might have expected that. that okay, that was more yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um and and definitely like me and my husband grew up, we were deadheads, so we loved the Grateful Dead. So we wow. would definitely have to take Grateful Dead. <laughs> All three very good guitarists though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's very cool. All right, Luis. Okay, yeah, mine are gonna be completely different. Like, they're not even in the same realm, I don't think. Um, so let's see. Three. And I'm gonna preface this with me and my wife are, are children at heart. We're big kids. So I'm gonna bring the Coco soundtrack. Mm, that's a good one. Very nice. Because it's got Un yeah, Poco Loco and uh, Remember <laughs> yeah. Me. Yeah, that's a solid choice. Yeah, so I'm going to bring the Coco soundtrack. Um, 
I always said that I wasn't a musical fan, but Hamilton got me. So I'm going to bring Hamilton with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I'm going to bring some Kanye with me. Probably graduation from Kanye. Gra- wow. Okay, graduate. So <laughs> why why graduation? Just curious. <laughs> when. It's just, I'm a Kanye fan. Okay. In the, I, that, I, I, I remember more of, the, more of the songs on that album kind of stuck with me, I guess as I was growing up. So yeah, graduation. All right. Just, just, yeah, it's those, I guess it just brings back memories. I don't know from what, from where, but it's just, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell the story. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to tell the story. So <laughs> before we, can't. before, do you want to tell it, Mr. Trey, or do you? No, go ahead, please. Uh, well, I'll just say, first of all, it's it's hard to be a Kanye fan. So uh, <laughs> as, as, a, as a fellow one, I understand the kind of back and forth. Yeah, anyway. Uh, well, I would say like you can be. There's a difference between being a Kanye fan and enjoying Kanye's music. Like you could make that <laughs> yes. distinction. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but before we, the, how this question ended up on the podcast is Mr. Trey and Manolo and I were out at a conference in Austin. It was like a month before COVID hit, I think. And yeah. um, we were all just like shooting the breeze. And this question came up, and then it got like a, an intense debate about like Trey said, bring. It was college dropout, right? Was that the one you said? And you're like, I'm not saying it's his best work. I'm just saying for New Earth, that's the one that has the most representative, like diverse genres. Da, da, da. And so we were just like, college dropout became a point of contention that about this question. It's funny that we landed on graduation. It's it's an important distinction to be made that this is, these are not Desert Island albums. These are New Earth. So I'm trying to introduce as much. So I think college dropout has a lot of different artists on it it's just it's not it's not the perfect album but i think it's the perfect one for newer anyway <laughs> i will die on this hill but graduation graduation an excellent choice Actually, yeah <laughs> college dropout is very very close yeah so i can go either way <laughs> well great um so the last question this one's a new one um but i i think it's important um uh, if you could just each tell us about uh, a teacher that may have had a significant uh, impact on your life. Most of our listeners are teachers, so I'm sure they would appreciate it. But if there's somebody that's had a significant impact uh, on your life, if you could just tell us a little bit about that. My fifth grade teacher at Spear Elementary in Arlington, Texas, Mr. Points. Um, I don't, it wasn't something that he's, I guess, specifically like did for me, but it was, it was the first instance that I remember like my elementary career and just kind of school career that I felt like a teacher kind of like cared about me before I just it was just like I'm just going to school they were you know they're up there teaching me something um but he was the first one that kind of connected with me showed interest in something besides just like my schoolwork you know kept it you know kept an eye on me, stuff like that. Just, you know, cared about a little bit more, you know, past the school stuff. So he's the one that sticks with me. Um, and it helped that he lived a few streets down from where we lived. Um, so he was kind of in the community. Um, but he was the first teacher and the one that sticks with me the most is he, I, I felt like he was like the first one that kind of, you know, kind of cared about me and kind of, you know, was, was something besides just the, the school work. Um, so I'll always remember him. Um, we lost touch a little bit, but we, we stayed in touch up until, you know, my probably sophomore year in college. Um, so oh, wow. this, this kind of reminds me to kind of get back in touch. He's still in the neighborhood that we used to live in. Like he's still there. Uh, he doesn't teach at the school anymore, but he's, you know, he's still around. So um, it's just, you know, I have to get, get back in touch. Yeah. <laughs> S- send him the link to the episode. 
Yeah, there you go. There you go. That, that's actually, I, I had to go on mute for a second because my fingers were clacking away because I had to look up Spear Elementary. I don't remember that from childhood, but I actually went to Corey Elementary in Arlington. Yeah. I don't know how far away that is, but I, that's a small, small world enough. Both went yeah. to elementary and Arlington. Um, so I grew up in Indiana. So we've lived in Texas. Maybe, I think we moved here in 2006. So, um, so my, um, this is kind of a funny story, but my, uh, one of my favorite teachers was Mr. Triplett. He was a math teacher, which I was awful at math because I went to school to be an English teacher because I was that bad at math. I hated it. Um, so, but in kind of a weird story, he, um, I was in his class and because I was in all advanced classes, like I, just because of the way the scheduling worked out, I had to go into advanced math and, um, and I was not good at math. So I was struggling the whole time. Um, and I was kind of trying to fake it till I made it, you know, kind of deal. <laughs> and we had this one um, test, you remember, like when you used to have to sit in class and like at the end of class after you took a test, um, like your your neighbor graded your test and then you had to, everybody had to call out their scores to their teacher so they could put it in the grade book. Well, I like failed it miserably. And I'm, and my last name is Yonker. So I'm at the end of the grade book. So our, it's not now, but it wasn't. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going down the list and everyone's giving their grades. And I was terrified because everyone got good grades except for me. And I knew that I was going to have to say that I failed it. So I had this plan that I was going to just say I got a better grade. And then I was gonna like go up there really quick in the end and say, I'm sorry, I was embarrassed. This is what my real grade was, you know? And we were gonna have to turn in the papers anyway. So I knew that he would know eventually. So I said it and I gave, I gave myself a higher score. Well, the kid next to me almost had a heart attack because he graded my, <laughs> and he was so upset that I lied. Like, and he was just gonna set me straight. And he like ran to the teacher before I even could when the bell rang to tell him that I lied. Um, so I got in trouble. I got detention. I tried to explain myself, but by that time it sounded like a lie, right? So ironic thing is, is when I was doing my student teaching, um, I got assigned to Mr. Triplett's classroom, and he was my <laughs> he was my my mentor for my student teaching. And I walked in there, I was like, oh, great. And he remembered that that happened. So I explained it to him and we talked and he ended up being, and it was a little bit later in life, but I always remember he was this teacher I was terrified of. I was like, oh, I made a fool of myself. It was awful. Um, but he was the best student teacher, like mentor that I had. And he helped me to learn so many ways to work with kids. And um, and I actually got to share with him like how awful of a practice that is to make kids yell out their scores. <laughs> oh, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, so it was it was a great experience and he taught me a lot. So well, that started that's out great. kind of funny. <laughs> that's wonderful, yeah. It, just, it came back full circle with you. As, <laughs> working with him. I don't know how that happened but I was like what the heck and I even I went to Indiana University so he would he had even um I I was allowed to um do some student teaching in my hometown so like when I went back home like I they I got him somehow it was so random <laughs> the Hoosiers were you right? able is Indiana uh, is IU is the Hoosiers right yep okay. Indiana Hoosiers <laughs> Were you uh, were you ever ever able to convince him that you weren't just trying to get away and pull a fast one? <laughs> he, did, he kind of believed me. You know, he's like, oh, "Okay," you know. I was like, "No, I seriously was going to." He's like, "Yeah, well, that's what they all say." You know, we were all 
exercise. I really was, but yeah, it backfired. <laughs> That's great. Well, we'll we'll wrap it up. Thank you both so much uh, for for you know what you're doing in our community, what you're doing for our students. Uh, we we really appreciate it. TBP appreciates it. Um, and and thank you for for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks, Luis, and thanks, Laura. Oh, thank you. So today we are at the Mesquite campus. We are sitting in the conference room with our Mesquite counselor, Miss Josie Kilgore. Welcome. How are you today? Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us. Yeah, and we're and we're excited to talk to you. Um, so could you kind of just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you kind of ended up working here at TDP? Yes. So I was actually a teacher for about 10 years. Um, I worked in a very difficult part of Arlington, which fresh out of college I didn't know existed. So that was a huge surprise for me. Um, and so through that, I kind of had to figure out how to uh, run like a trauma-focused classroom because my kids were coming in like having just been held at gunshot or gunpoint the night before oh or gosh. like one of them. Oh, I shouldn't tell their stories. It doesn't matter. Like I had kids coming in just dealing with crazy things like intense real traumas and then like I can't be like, okay, now sit down and this is two plus two and then you know yeah, what I mean? Right. So. Yeah. Um, it put me in a position of having to address their social and emotional needs in order to get to their academic needs. And so I just kind of followed that passion right into counseling. Makes sense. And and when you were talking about those kids and having gone through this trauma and then they can't just like learn math, it reminded me of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, because if you're, if you don't feel safe, you know, then you're not going to be successful in learning math or English or whatever. Right. And like, there's also a difference between feeling safe and being safe. So like those kids can come to school and I know that they're perfectly safe and nothing's going to happen. But if they don't understand that, like there's still that hurdle to be overcome. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Right. So perception right. of safety. Yeah. Oh, very what, interesting. What was this hierarchy of needs things? Is this an education thing that I don't know about or just a life thing that I don't know about? Both. Great. I, I was, I was going to say kind of both. <laughs> um, Not surprising. So, so let me, let me, uh, well, go ahead and give it a Google. Okay. Mas Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow's. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, and so basically it's a triangle or a pyramid. Uh -huh. um, I guess it's a triangle cause it's not a 3d shape. Uh, but the idea being you need these things at the bottom, which is like safety. Psychological needs, safety needs, mm -hmm. belonging and love needs, esteem needs, mm -hmm. cognitive needs, aesthetic needs, self-actualization, and transcendence, transcendence. And I'm just guessing. Are those? Does that sound right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So the idea being like you need, <laughs> you need the stuff at the bottom before okay. you can have the stuff at the top. So you, Mr. Trey, need like an apartment and you need food to eat, you know, in order to have, then go do the fun stuff like podcasting and all gotcha. that stuff, right? So the idea being with the kids, like they need that safety and security. Um, and now to Josie's point that they need the safety and the perception of safety and belonging into a community and those kind of things. Before two plus two. Well, you know, if you're really good, you can kind of like do them at the same time. Gotcha. But yeah. Well, cool. I'm learning stuff. Yeah. Um, so tell us one thing you love about your job as a counselor. Um, I obviously have the greatest job. Like that's such a weird question because I don't know where to start. Um, my favorite thing to do is interact with people like all day long and that's my job. So that's amazing. Uh, I get to help people professionally and get paid for it. So that's also amazing. And, uh, I don't really have to do lesson plans. So I feel like I just like got the best of all worlds there. 
That's fair. That, that's that's fair. You don't have to deal with them. <laughs> but you also like again, you have to deal with the crying kids. You know, that's the crying's actually like not the worst of it. It's like uh, going through those traumas with them. Mm-hmm. That yeah. uh, it can get you. But I strongly encourage any counselor or therapist to have a really good counselor or therapist to talk to. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so so then we're. Wanted to focus this episode on social emotional learning, or SEL, as we'll abbreviate. Um, so, could you talk to us about what that is and why that's important, especially for the TBP students? Yeah, and actually, like you brought up a really good point with the Maslow. It is the thing that sets the foundation for you to be able to learn those higher academic things, and so, like, kind of historically, education was viewed as academics. So, you came in, you learn math, you learn reading, you learn science, social studies, whatever. But, you know, as we've really started paying attention to how students learn, we also need to give them the skills to be able to understand and regulate their emotions because, you know, school's stressful. And when you're coming in with trauma, like you're already kind of you have too much. Sure. You can't have too much. And uh, so like we're the social emotional like deals with how to regulate your emotions, how to interact with other people. Um, I don't know how old y'all are. But I'm old, and uh, whenever I was in school, like um, they called all of the, like SEL stuff like soft skills, mm. and yeah. so the goal was that you came out with like a real skill set, and then if you had soft skills, that was cool. Bonus. Yeah, like good for you. You can talk to people, <laughs> but um, because of the way that the job market is changing, those soft skills are actually what's really in demand, and so you know even looking forward for our students, employers are looking for people who can like get along with your coworkers and not throw a fit at work and you know handle criticism and stuff, and then they're willing to train you on that other stuff, mm-hmm. like the the hard skills, right. if you will. And so um, that SEL aspect just becomes pivotal because not only do you need it to be successful here, but you need it to be successful moving forward as well, and. That's a huge part of my job, and so I'm super lucky because I love doing that. Yeah, no, I have heard it called soft skills, and yes, absolutely, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's those skills are very much in demand. Being a good communicator, being a good collaborator, absolutely. Well, speaking, you mentioned the pandemic. How has that kind of affected the, or highlighted the need for emphasis of SEL? So the pandemic is just so special. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, I've not heard it put that way. That is definitely one way to put it. It is special. So, you know, every cloud has a silver lining. And the silver lining is that we have, and I guess currently still are, living through like a once in an ever experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, We all have this shared trauma. So, you know, in some ways we're all connected through that. In other ways, it's been very isolating. And... You know, our kids, I feel like they got hit the hardest with that. And so um, whenever we went, like, over spring break and never came back, they lost, for a lot of them, the one adult in their life outside of their family that they could rely on, Mm -hmm. which is huge for resilience and recovering from trauma. Like, one of the biggest things is to just have one other person that you can depend on. And, you know, for most kids, that person is in the school. So they lost that for about a year and a half. Um, they lost their social circles. And so, you know, while going through this trauma that a lot of them were too young to even understand, they understand that the adults are scared, which for a kid is one of the scariest things. Yeah. 
Because the adults are the ones with the answers. Right. And so like when we're all like, I don't know what those are. Like it it terrifies them. And they did that without the support that they would have like normally. And then in addition to that, we have like a year behind in academics for some of them because, you know, life happened in the middle of a pandemic. And so they're stressed out. They know they're behind. They've almost forgotten those social skills that they used to have and had very like honed. And so, you know, it all adds up to be something so big that um, I just don't know how we could move forward without addressing the social and emotional needs of our students and also the adults. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah. We've all been through it. (laughs) Well, I just, I never thought about that way. I just figured, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a shared thing that we're all experiencing it. But then when you think about the children that are looking up to the the adults that are like, yeah, we don't know We're we're figuring out that's gotta be daunting. Well, and even like as adults, so like our brains are designed to have like short spurts of trauma and then you like get over it Mm -hmm. or you die, whichever. Yeah. Um, but like this has been so long that like our brains aren't designed to deal with this and in large part, we haven't even really started processing the isolation and the fear. And, you know, the kids are also going through that. And so, like, looking forward, I think this is probably going to be pretty messy for a while. Yeah. Good news. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, what would you say to that? It's, it's, uh, it's a lot. No, no, it's true. It's, uh, it's almost like I was thinking of um, when we had that big winter storm in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> right? right. And that, like... Uh, so at that time, I was the principal and had to lead the staff on the day we came back from that. And I was like, we can't just like, all right, guys, lesson plans are due. Like, we can't go back to business as usual. I'm like, we had to, we did an, an SEL activity of like processing through this. But but still, yeah, like we were adults and we had to do that. And then the kids who don't even like, especially the littles, like they don't even sure. know what they're feeling. They just feel, feel it. Right. They feel all of the things. And then yes. it ends up to like you're in school crying for an hour and a half and you don't know why and I don't know why. And mm-hmm. And then you're crying because you're crying. Yeah, and then we'll just cry together. Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so going back to, though, to social-emotional learning, like, into, is there is there a way that social-emotional learning is incorporated into the curriculum or some of the services that the counselors provide? So, um, like I said, that's pretty much, I don't know, I'm going to say in pandemic times, like, 80%, 90% of my job, um, they're, well, only because I count the academic as, like, rolled in with that. Mm. Because they're like so connected. Like, how do you separate that? Mm-hmm. Um, so just as a counselor, yes, we do our guidance lessons. We do group counseling. Um, a lot of our students have lost people, like the normal amount of losses plus all the COVID losses. And so like, it's a lot. Um, the strain has really done a number on a lot of parent relationships. And so that's also another thing. And um, I feel like they all like dove headfirst into social media. And so like, that's a whole thing, like way when more. When you say they dove, the, the kids, the kids. Oh, okay. I mean the adults too, but like, I don't have the adults showing up being like, Hey, she was talking about me on Instagram. So like, that's huge. I don't even remember what I was talking about anyway. So like we do address those kind of things, but like my favorite stuff. Okay. Stop. My favorite stuff that we've done this year has been stuff that the teachers do because like my job is my job, whatever, it's a thing. But the teachers are our teachers this year. They've done two big things that I just absolutely love. And if you guys can make it by in the morning, I think you should watch Miss Zavala. She will ask her kids a question every single day before they walk in the door, like makes eye contact with them and listens to the answer. Um, 
her question today was something along the lines of, if your life were a movie, what movie would it hmm. be? Um, and like, it's always a creative one. And I love that it like gets the students thinking and like immediately reflecting on kind of like where they are, because there's always that follow-up question of why. Yeah. Um, and so I absolutely love that. I love anything that gets the teachers to like engage personally with the kids. And our teachers have been very intentional about that this year. And like, greeting them by name and making contact with them or, you know, not, but like just having that moment where it's just us in the room, hypothetically, right? theoretically, metaphorically, sure, metaphorically, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like give them that time. That's just their time. Or, um, so that's been huge. I love that our teachers, like I'm watching them get to know the kids and they know what kind of activities they do after school and they know what their favorite food is. And like, that's so huge because that essentially makes them that person that I was talking about that you can bounce back from resilience or you can bounce back and have your resilience with like the person you, they are stepping into that role this year. And, you know, like I said, all of us are going through trauma. All of us are carrying a big, heavy load. And the fact that these teachers are still stepping up and making sure that they are that person for these kids is huge. Um, And then another thing that a lot of our teachers have done is they've set up like a a safe corner or area in their classroom. Mm. So whenever the students are experiencing these big emotions that they can't necessarily self-regulate or soothe themselves at this time, they're like, they've been trained that they can go to this place kind of out of view from everybody else and take that time to like cool themselves off. And so I think that that's also just huge. And I love that the teachers have been like really into, you know, doing that with their kids. Well, that, and that's what I was just about. To, is this something that has kind of been a district initiative or even a you initiative? Or is this stuff that they're just kind of coming up with and taking taking control of on their own? It was a training I did after school with the teachers to discuss um, actually social and emotional learning in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So that was a couple of the big pushes that we did. And then also having the students, um, when you are greeting them in the morning, especially the littles, they use a feelings chart so that the students can name their feelings that whole like name it, tame it thing mm. like sounds weird, but it for real works. And it has like colors on it, like a, right? Some of uh, them do. Yeah. 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 I've seen where it's like, it's like red, yellow, green, blue, kind of the different quadrants mm-hmm. of, yeah. So it's, it's, so like even the skill of being able to identify your emotion is huge. Um, especially for like the littles, they'll always say they're either happy or angry. Mm-hmm. And so like getting them to recognize that you're not angry, you're frustrated or you're disappointed or you're sad or your feelings are hurt. Um, like just once you realize what it is that you're feeling and you really like dig into it, then you can kind of address it and move past it. That's awesome. So our teachers yeah. are doing that every morning before the kids even walk in the door. So that's kind of amazing. No, that's great. Well, and to kind of, I don't know if this is exactly the same thing, but I was in a classroom last week. Uh, I won't say where or who or, you know, but it was a lower grade level. I want to say like kindergartner first. And I was just there, you know, doing my job and everything, but they were doing like a circle time morning exercise of, and the question was, what would you do with a million dollars? What would you buy if you had a million dollars? And immediately it was, you know, I'd buy a place, a PS5. And I, I heard that and I was like, 
okay, I know what it was like when I was in school. The, the teacher's going to shut that down and be like, no, let's think of something more practical and maybe something that you want. And, and no, it was just like PS5. Awesome. What about you? You know, and just went around and it just was like this engaging conversation and there wasn't anything shot down. It was just like, no, okay, if that's what you want. And one kid was like, a PS5 and a PS4 and a PS3. Mm-hmm. She was like, wow, it sounds like you got the whole range of them there, yeah. you know? And it was just so such a positive thing, way to start the morning. That's so huge it great. because it also, like, I really will talk about this all day long. Um, so, like, doing those morning circles where the students are allowed to, like, share and not shutting them down, it creates a situation where, like, they're doing the social skills, so they're learning how to speak to people, how to read the room, how to make eye contact, like, mm-hmm. all of those things that you have to, you know, know. And then they're also learning um, how to like express themselves clearly mm. and to respond to each other. And like as adults, I feel like it's really easy to forget that like learning how to appropriately respond to somebody who just said words at you yeah. is like a thing. And so like the ability for them to hear that and be like, oh, me too, or whatever, like that's huge. Yeah. And so I love that that teacher was, I love that. It was great. It was pretty cool. Trey's just happy, like the PS5 kid's dream didn't get crushed like <laughs> yeah, his would have. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Do you not have one yet? Not yet. Not yet. Aww. One day, maybe. I, uh, I got a... one for my birthday. Oh, okay. Oh. I'm not an early adopter. It'll usually take me a couple of years to, like, you know, wait for the, whatever. You're jealous. Yeah, I am jealous. No, right. I, I'm not with you. I wait for the price to go down, especially with the <laughs> microchip shortage. You know, we got to. like five or yeah. six games that I want to play instead of just like one. Well, there are so many that you can only play on the PS5, though. Right. So you got to get it. I'll wait till those stack up. But like a million dollars would help. Oh, they are sure. Yeah. Expensive. yeah. If that kid wants to buy me one, that would help out a lot. <laughs> uh, and if, if the PS5 breaks, he can put in a help desk ticket. Yeah, so, for sure. <laughs> um, so if there's SEL resources out there for teachers who want to use them in your classroom, where should they start? Any recommendations? Um, so one of my favorite things to do is to creep on other counselors. Um, so if you're looking for like SEL stuff, definitely go like creep on counselors like professional counselors they all have websites and instagrams and all that stuff um you can literally just type in the word counselor and like 75 of them will (laughs) fill in um also if you have like little littles pbs has some amazing resources um i have a website that you can go to it has a bunch of stuff on it i have a virtual calm down cool Cold room, what's it called? Cold down room. Cold down room. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of resources also just kind of linked in there by topic. And then my site also has like adult resources. So like workout videos. um, Like mindfulness. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Meditation, yoga. Cool, like chill music with Mm. like rain behind it and stuff. I don't know. There's a bunch of junk on there. I didn't think about it. Yeah. I came here, sorry. Well, we can put in the we'll put in the show notes, and then people can go check it out. There you go. Okay, so the counselors presented at convocation, and it was awesome. Why are you rolling your eyes? It was awesome. <sighs> okay. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want to talk no. about. No, I've heard nothing but good things, great things. I fact. have so many stupid stories about my life, but they all <laughs> revolve around using this one tool that my husband taught me. <laughs> so well, so one of the like running or recurring jokes on the podcast is about like. Mr. Trey working out. Yeah. So, oh, uh, gosh. what is this? So, no, no. So remember, this is an ambush. Wait, when we were talking about like running, up, we were like, I'm not gonna go run two miles or whatever. Yeah, it, I'm it was like run a five k. Yeah. I ran a five k. Great. No, shut up. There's a story. So yeah, I just teed it up perfectly. So go ahead, tell the story. Okay, so you and I are the same person. I'm thinking. Okay. I okay. So my whole entire life, like all of elementary school. I convinced every single teacher that I ever had 
that I was physically incapable of running. True. Right. Did that. Yeah, I was so good at it. Um, so I never did. And then in middle school, I didn't have to because I did like choir and band and stuff. And so for real, my whole entire life until like this year, last year, never ran. Like if I was running, there was an emergency. Mm -hmm. Somebody uh, was chasing you. Right. <laughs> or I was chasing someone, chasing. but not very far. Sure. Like a few feet. Um, okay. So my husband, you met him. Yeah. He's so like healthy and responsible. <laughs> it's gross. Um, and he's a runner. And so like when he and I first started dating 10 years ago, I ran, I, you can't see my air quotes, but I ran with him mm -hmm. at the park. Like, I don't know, three times. He still married me. It's fine. But I never did it again. Um, so all of that is to say I've done two 5K now, 5Ks now. Mm -hmm. Here's how. Okay. It's a stupid thing that he taught me that works amazingly on everything. Oh. And it's like, okay, so day one, let's say you want to start today. Let's say tomorrow. It's getting late. Let's say tomorrow. Um, so you're going to do whatever it is, like a mile, as slowly as you possibly can. And like when I say slow, I mean slow, like a 30, 35-minute mile, 40, somewhere in there, like stop, talk to the neighbors, like really take your time, tie your shoe a few times, maybe have a snack on the way back, just the worst mile time you've ever done in your life. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't be hard. Right. Okay. Then day two, you just do slightly better than that. Okay. <laughs> so like if day one, you somehow made it last an hour, which my best friend has for real done. I don't know how she did it, but mm -hmm. she did it a 60 minute mile. She's healthy too. I don't know what her problem is. Um, I think she like stopped to change clothes or something, but do that. Sure. And then the next day do like a 59 and a half minute mile. And then the next day do like a 58 minute mile. And then like every single day do a little bit better and don't break the chain. Okay. And you can do that with anything. Set the bar low and then try to slightly overachieve it. Yeah. I've based my entire life on it. <laughs> See? And look how successful you are as a sure, human. Sure. Okay. That sounds doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds doable. I've done so many things like that. I quit smoking like that. I lost like 60 pounds like that. Wow. Okay, look. One of the stories I told at Convocation was about eating fewer um, peanut butter cups. <laughs> but that was a straight lie because I will still eat a whole entire bag. Like, I don't know what my problem is. So how did you start? I started with a hundred peanut butter cups. No, that and was, I ate I was them slowly. That was the story. But then I got like one of those big like share with everybody you love bags for my birthday, mm. and I ate like all of them. Yeah. I don't know. Love yourself. <laughs> share it myself. With yeah. <laughs> I like other stuff. So so how long does something like that take? If you start with a mile, at an hour, let's say, mm -hmm. or forty five minutes, how long did it take you to get to like a, a an attainable like a real thing you were proud of. So like, that's actually the thing is when you allow yourself that freedom without the judgment. Mm -hmm. So like at no point mm -hmm. was ever hard on myself because I'm always doing better than that first one. Yeah. Um, it was so rewarding just to see like even the tiny growth that it makes you want to dig in mm. and like really go for it. And so, you know, honestly, not long. Um, I think I was running the most part of a mile within a couple of weeks. Wow. Just because I wanted to and it felt good, which was gross to me, by the way. Like when I was <laughs> like, mm, I think I want to go for a run. I was like, who are you? Ugh, yeah. 
that sounds doable, like I said. It is totally doable. Whether or not I doabled it, uh, I doable it is, is another thing. But I will certainly entertain the idea. I like it. But you, you also did this, like, did he tell you about what he did every day for 2020? No, what did you do? So last year, I, I think I need to do something next year because it was a lot of fun last year. Um, last year, all of 2020, and I didn't know this going into 2020, I did this. I was like, I want to do something this year. I want to do something fun and something, you know, whatever. that gets me out of my comfort zone. And so I did this Celebrate Every Day challenge. So every day there's a stupid, like today is national, I uh, put something on Slack today, natural, national clean your virtual desktop day. It's a dumb holiday. There's a million of them. National Banana Day, National Yo-Yo it. Day. So I would find one holiday a day and do something around that. And it's all on Instagram. It's a big dorky thing, but it was so much fun. And then when December 31st came and, you know, January 1st came of this year, I was like, well, now what do I do? It was, it was kind of a letdown, you know? Yeah. But I also didn't know at the beginning of 2020 what 2020 was going to, you know, so like around March, I'm like, you know, I'm doing pretty good. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, what am I going to do now? I can't go to the store. I can't buy a banana for banana day. How did you do it? Like, did you actually like stick with it? I stuck with it every single day. Yeah. He got really creative on some of them. Really creative. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah. Like so, there's, there's one where he had to like go to a restaurant, and so like he filmed it where it's himself like as the... As my own waiter. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because restaurants were closed, so I was like, okay, yeah. I'll turn my apartment into that a restaurant. That probably kept you from going insane, honestly. It 100% did. 100%. It was fun. Yeah. But my point is, if you can do stuff like that, like that takes time mm-hmm. and dedication and planning and willpower, then yeah. you can... You can pull off a mile. But it doesn't cost you anything physically. Yeah. Or financially, right? Well, running's free. Yeah. No, running hurts. <laughs> like, look, I'm not going to lie to you, man. It is not fun while you're doing it. Yeah. It's just not. But then, like, when you're done. Mm. Runner's high. Yeah, but, like, it's for real, though. Yeah. I always thought people were just lying because they wanted me to run. I <laughs> <laughs> I 100% have skeptical the whole time. Look, I'm not going to encourage you to run, but, like... Pick a thing that you like. Yeah. I'll do something. Do a thing you like. Do yoga. Do yoga. Look, there's this place in Austin called uh, Black Widow Yoga. What kind of music do you like? Anything. That's such a stupid answer. I like alternative. This has become the self-help tray podcast, and I don't <laughs> yeah. know how I feel about yeah. it. I can't uh, not do it. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, no, no, no. I told you, SEL is my, my, my this jam. This is good. Uh, well, Connor you. and I were talking about the Black Keys last week. I like... Mm-hmm. Kanye West is is on the... How do you feel about, like... I don't even know what it's called. It's that stuff my husband listens to. Like, really hard, like... Like metal? Yeah. How Mm. do you feel about metal? It's been a long time. How do you feel about emo music? No. You look like an emo guy. I'm not. (laughs) Oh! Okay. This podcast has taken a turn. It's gone off the rails. I'm sorry, Mr. Trey. I did not know. Off the rails. That was a compliment. Wait, but what, what is the music... You said Black Widow Yoga, and then I thought of... The character sure. in the comic books. What? Oh right. What, but what? What did that have to do? No. With so anything? okay, it's this yoga place in Austin, and all of their classes are online. And it was the only way I could get my husband to do yoga with me because he's like such an edge lord. <laughs> From like back in high school, he won't grow out of it. Um, like still dresses in all black and stuff. He's he's so great. I love him. Um, <laughs> but the only way I could do it is like they do yoga to like hard rock, like uh, Black Sabbath and. Like, whatever. I don't even know. Gojira, I think, is a thing. That sounds right. It's okay. not my jam at all. Sure. But on Sundays, they do emo emo Sundays, and that's my favorite. And then they also do, like, No Doubt sometimes. Okay. You look right. like a No Doubt guy. Sure. No Doubt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was just, like, a tool I used to trick someone else into doing yoga. I thought it might work on you. 
it, it would have to be a trick. Like seriously, to get me to run or to get me to do yoga, it has to be like a trick or like a gimmick. There has to be something behind it because I won't just do it on my own. So I will look into these resources and uh, possibly on National Yoga Day. On National Yoga Day, sure. There you go. All right. So anyway, um, we wanted to ask you the final two questions we ask every guest now. Okay. Uh, and it perfectly segues into music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you know aliens are invading Earth and we have to evacuate and and colonize a new Earth. You get to take three albums that are going to be part of New Earth's music catalog. Which three albums are you taking with you? I have a question. Mm-hmm. Sure. How many other people are bringing albums? See, that's a good question. And I'm really glad you're asking this question because a lot of people are. Like, whoever's getting no. on the shuttles, right? No, so, I think I should be in charge of the music. For everyone, for yes. all of New Earth. Like, my music oh. is the basis for all new music. Okay. Oh, so you're, you're the only person bringing three albums? Yeah. Okay. All right, let's 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 do that question and then I have even a, more. I have a comment on it. <laughs> oh, okay. Even more pressure. No, okay, cuz I got this. I actually looked it up because I don't know album names because okay. it doesn't matter to me at all. Okay, so the first one is Louis and Keely. It's Louis Prima and Keely Smith from like the 1950s and okay. it's all like uh jazz standards. Okay. Because it's weird and I like it and also okay, I like it's not a good reason. But like it is weird music. It's very unusual. It's catchy. You've heard the songs for sure in like movies and stuff. Yeah. So it would make people feel nostalgic, and then also it captures the history. Love it. Mm-hmm. L- Louis and Keeley. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like Louis Prima is the one that did uh, King Louis and Jungle Book. Oh, okay. So also his voice would make everybody feel nostalgic. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of everybody. No, that's great. That's good. That's why they can't do. bring their own music. It's I don't know I'm trying to think of everybody. Anyone's brought jazz yet? So. That's that's a good point. Yeah, Maybe. Uh-huh. yeah. Nobody else is bringing music, so that's, that's <laughs> there. You, there you All go. Of their albums will be burned <laughs> ceremoniously once you step on the ship. Um, okay, so that's the first one. Second one is Autolux. Is the band? I can't remember the name of it. I told you I looked it up, but I don't remember because again, it doesn't matter to me at all. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, maybe Future Perfect or something like that. Okay. It doesn't matter. Like you can pick an Autolux album. They're so good. But they're also like unusual and weird. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that like humans are going to go up to wherever. I'm going to say Venus. I've decided we're going to Venus. Okay. So I'm thinking like humans are going to go up to Venus and then they're going to be like, oh, well, I brought my guitar and stuff. So like all the like basic music is going to be pretty well covered. (laughs) Someone's got Wonderwall. (laughs) Right. Like. Somebody has the Beatles catalog memorized. Like, we're good. There will be some guitar guys there. Right. (laughs) On a picnic blanket. I I forgot that I had this. It'll be my husband. (laughs) Okay, great. So Brian's going to bring his guitar. Okay. um, But he can't play Autolux. It's like, um, I don't know. Like, it's almost like electronic-y. I don't know. I like it because it's weird. Okay. And the lyrics are all very interesting. And then third is Pink Floyd... Wish You Were Here. That okay. is such a solid choice. Right. And then, like, yeah. also there's the emotional aspect that they wrote it because Sid, Sid was Bear. gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. so, like, every song is just so, uh, like, complex and beautiful and, like, carries all of these emotions. And since we all had to bounce, like, obviously people are going to be upset. And so it could be very cathartic. That's great. And it's also... I've never listened to the other two people you named, but it's in that like weird kind of funky yeah. sound. Like there's a lot of distortions and stuff. And Apparently that's my yeah. jam. I didn't know it. Yeah. Very. Okay. So you don't think the guitar, some of the guitar guys are going to know Pink Floyd. Look, if you know how to play like shine on you, crazy diamond, mm-hmm. then you're a good guitar guy. Okay, cool. At which point you can play all day long. Cool. 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 Again, that's my husband. 
but anyway, when you were asking about how many people are bringing in these albums, there's a way to answer this question where you play against the popular choices. Because mm-hmm. if other people are bringing stuff, you're like, okay, I don't need to bring Taylor Swift because we're going to have like 37 copies of Taylor Swift. Sure. You sure. know, so that's where I thought you were going with that, but. Taylor Swift did not occur to me. No, no, no. I thought you were going to say like, well, if everyone else is bringing this, I'm bringing this. But you just went like, I'm in charge no, of I'm all in music, charge. which is cool. Like, I'm cool with that. It's a dictatorship. Um, this is the music now. Fair. Okay. Thank you for saying that's fair. It is fair. Um, so our next question is kind of a new one, but I, it's not really a question. I just would like you to uh, tell us about a teacher that has had uh, a strong impact on, on your life. I have two. Please. Okay, one of them's not a teacher. Okay. Because I don't follow directions well. Great. So it sounds like you have one teacher. <laughs> it sounds like you have one teacher and then another person. She's a counselor. Okay, fair. It I'll counts. allow it. Only on this episode only. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so teacher, Miss Abshire was my kindergarten teacher, and I don't know why nobody remembers their kindergarten teachers, <laughs> but I straight loved her. Um, her name is Abby Abshire. She works in Fort Worth, or at least she did. Um, and like she was the best because I don't know if you guys have ever gotten this vibe from me, but I can be a lot and I talk like all the time. And as a five-year-old, I was not cooler than I am now. (laughs) And so like I had no chill and she was always like so nice to me. And then it would like, I don't know, like she just like designed everything in my education, like in that year to best meet my needs and like grow me as a person. Um, and like, I didn't have the experience of having a teacher who like really saw me and really worked for me again for a few years after that, a lot of years after that. And so like, she was always very, very special to me. Um, and then, so my school counselor was named Beth Calhoun and she's a therapist now. And I like, I used to watch her like deal with other students. And like, obviously I was in there a lot because I just really like counselors Um, but like, even as she moved on in her career, she became my therapist because I like hunted her down. And so like, she guided me through like how to become a school counselor and what's it's going to look like and like how to talk to people. And so like, she's been there for me most of my life. And so like, she's super special to me also. That's awesome. Is this at the same time or the same school? No. So Ms. Abshire is in Fort Worth at Western Hills Elementary. And then Beth... Calhoun was in Granbury. So like upper, like middle or high school or something? Yeah, we moved there when I was like 10. Cool. It's okay. I wouldn't suggest it. It's fine. Well, cool. I do remember my uh, kindergarten teacher. Do you really? Yeah, Miss Cunningham. Did you like her? She's great. She's great. I don't remember a whole lot from them, but I remember Miss Cunningham. Dude, I remember so much. Like I remember shaking the, like the cream with, did y'all do that with like the marble in it? And you like all shake it. No. What, are t- what are you talking about? Oh my God. I did it with my kids because Miss Abshire did it with us. Like when I was a teacher a hundred years later, we did the same thing. Um, so you take like a jar of like heavy cream okay. and you put a marble in it. And then like we all sat in a circle and like she told us a story about like the pioneers or something. I think we did it at, like Thanksgiving time. And everybody like shakes the jar as you walk around. And then when you're done, you pour off the milk fats and you have butter. Oh, I that's cool. I don't know if we did. I remember something like this. Like, I remember making right? butter in school. Yeah. That's how you do it. That's crazy. Because so, you're churning it yeah. while you're yeah, turning yeah. the jar. Okay. Like, pro like tip, that. salt it first, because otherwise it's kind of gross. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it not being very good. No, you got to salt it. Okay. 
Hmm. I learned that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. And thank you for being here. And thank you for uh, sharing your, your SEL resources. And again, we'll put your, your links in the show notes and everybody can go check them out there. All right, cool. All right. Thank nice. you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Bolt Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at The Bolt Pod for episode updates or reach out to us at thebolt at trinitybasin.net. As always, do more, expect more, and be more. No, you're not. You don't have your, you don't have your coat on. This is all good stuff for the podcast. You can react to me uh, yeah. being a fool. Uh, I also like the uh, the pandemic was very special as the episode title. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. something like that. The pandemic was special. Yeah.